Welcome to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where we trade in personal finance advice for entertaining conversations about money. And we'd like to ask Trevor Noah from The Daily Show if we can borrow one of his writers. We're kind of running out of jokes for this intro. Welcome, welcome world to yet another episode of our favorite show about money, Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where we trade in personal finance advice for entertaining conversations about money and millennials. Malcolm, what's going on in your world, sir? Um, Man, I'm tired. I'm tired. I, 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 <laughs> rehabbing a whole house over the weekend okay. um, to get it ready for sale. I'm I'm exhausted, man. So you were down in North Carolina. Right. People so who don't had know, to drive five hours back. To you drove like down three o'clock in the morning. So yeah, I'm wow. definitely like spent. When'd you get back? Uh, Monday morning at like three. Wow. Yeah. Were you so, doing any of the work yourself? All of the work. Oh. Yeah. Well, one of my so one of my boys um, lives down that way. Okay. He came and helped me out for a few hours too. But for the most part, yeah, it was. That's yeah. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice yeah. to your friend because most people How at this age are like. How many of us have them? <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of homes, uh, I and my wife moved into ours this weekend. Congrats. And I am exhausted. Okay. Like moving stuff. We had movers, but still there's like that extra stuff you have to do. You have to do the hard work of telling them where to put everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's also funny about like being a new homeowner though? Um, like when we were doing the walkthrough of where things were, like the valves and stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, the guy was like, you know, the builder was like, yeah, and this is the uh, valve to the such and such. And you want to shut that off when there's a freezer warning because you don't want your pipes to freeze. And I was like, that's real adult manhood stuff when you got to remember <laughs> to turn the pipes off so they don't freeze. Like, now I'm a man. Which has actually happened to me before, so I'm glad he gave you that advice. I, like, hope I didn't turn it off. <laughs> they froze. Okay. I went outside to try and wash my car, uh -huh. and the pipe burst inside the house. <gasps> And cost like eight hundred dollars worth of damage. That's exactly what. Ironically, I need to... stuff we'll get into later in the show. But uh -huh. those are the things that go along with. Uh... So at the same time, I'm trying to get rid of a house. You're you're finally moving into the to the house. So yeah, ironic. I, I, full circle. I don't know how, who's right and wrong in this situation, uh, but it is a great allusion to the fact that this episode of Manage Your Damn Money, we're covering the unfamiliar and unknown cost of buying and owning a home. Uh, we actually have a guest for this episode. His name is Adam M. Homewood Esquire. He's a lawyer of Village Settlements Inc. Um, here in Maryland, and we're going to talk to Adam about uh, you know a couple different things, but all of it having to do with home buying. But as we all always do on every show it is now time for headlines da -da 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 -da. a horrifically bad idea smartphone voting is coming just in time for the midterms malcolm uh this is an august 2018 piece on vanityfair.com by maya kossoff it's, it reads almost a year ago the department of homeland security alerted roughly half of all u.s states that their election system had been targets of hackers linked to russia experts have warned that russia's attempt at meddling did not end in 2016 a quote said, they're still very active in making preparations, at least to influence public opinion. Um, and this was a researcher from uh, a security researcher at Trend Micro um, and it quoted for the Associated Press in January. Um, enter a company called, I think you say it, Voatas or Hot. All right. So I'm doing it again. <laughs> Voats. That very clearly says votes. V-O-A-T-Z. Oh, it's just not spelled like yep, vote. So it's yep, V-O-A-T-Z. Yep. All right. So I'm just trying to put, put on your millennial lens for a second <laughs> and, and speak in social media. Right. I'm trying to put on my uh, Spanish lens with that one. Uh, vote, votes is a mobile election voting software startup that wants to let you vote from your phone in the upcoming midterm elections. And actually, it's apparently being put into practice. Um, West Virginians serving overseas, um, so I imagine in the military, will be the first in the U.S. to be able to vote via a smartphone app using the Votes technology. Um, and this was reported by CNN at the time. Uh, the Boston-based company raised $2.2 earlier this year, helped along by buzzwords such as biometrics and quote-unquote blockchain, um, which it claims to allow it to secure the voting process. 
Um, its app reportedly requires voters to take and upload a picture of their government ID along with a selfie style video of their face, which facial recognition technology then uses to ensure the person pictured in the ID and the person entering the vote are the same. The ballots are anonymized um, and recorded on the blockchain. Uh, security experts, to put it mildly, are, mildly are not impressed. Um, on Monday or that Monday that this, this piece uh, was published, security architect Kevin Beaumont tweeted a thread definitely critiquing the app for its flaws, including an out-of-date data encryption authentication service. This, this is going to backfire, he warned. Um, nor does the company's use of quote-unquote blockchain technology mean its data, database is foolproof. In fact, Bitcoin skeptic David Gerard, you know, you could substitute your name in there, Malcolm, uh, <laughs> told me the term barely applies to votes at all. The word blockchain these days literally means whatever I'm trying to sell you on, he yes. says. Um, Amen. <laughs> to let the church say, uh, West Virginia isn't opening up mobile voting to all voters, at least for now. Uh, votes will only be able to be available to military members serving abroad, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but it's testing the product in, li in a live election, which is interesting. Um, should those votes be compromised or should the app glitch, it would have a non-zero impact on uh, overseas voters. Furthermore, other similar companies are testing their own versions of blockchain-backed mobile voting, including a company, I guess, called Votum and London-based uh, Smartmatic. Um, so this is an interesting story, Malcolm, of the uh, supposed application of blockchain in a different capacity. Yeah. Um, blockchain we're, we're familiar with in terms of cryptocurrencies and, and, and being ways to transfer a certain kind of currency, uh, I don't know, encrypted right. um, in a certain kind of way. And this is now saying it's going to encrypt votes and then you'll be able to cast your vote through an app. So I will say, first and foremost, this is probably a better use of block uh, of Bitcoin's technology than mm -hmm. Bitcoin is itself. Mm -hmm. So at least they have my VOATs <laughs> in that in that regard. Uh, um, but separately from that, like I can just see data collection hackers working right. overtime to penetrate this system. Right. Like I mean, not to to slight anybody, right? right. But, I'm pretty confident West Virginia doesn't even have Wi-Fi everywhere. <laughs> so we're talking about taking something as important as our election system right. and moving it digitally and right. trying it out in a place that's like the third or fourth to last state to fully digitize. Like, how does that make any sense to anybody? Like, why wouldn't we try this out in like California uh -huh. where like I can use 5g technology basically at this point right. where most people don't even have it right. so that i mean first and foremost that's a flaw okay. right just foundationally okay second of all how do i know that the id i'm showing to this system hasn't been compromised and i didn't just take it and right. download it from somewhere online in the dark web or whatever well it's supposed to match the id to the video that you take which sounds stupid you can say <laughs> it. It, so it sounds stupid I'm going to take a selfie. I'm going to take an Instagram story <laughs> to my voting booth, basically, and match it up to my ID. Uh -huh. And they're going to have a picture of me in the system that right. somehow matches all these three things right. across the, the, the table. Where are they going to get the picture of me to start with? Right. How are they going to know that I haven't? What if I have plastic surgery since the last time I took <laughs> that picture? And now I mean, like right. all these things did, that just don't make any sense. Right. But separately from that mm -hmm. the reason i'm a hundred percent confident that this will never happen at least not in modern history okay it's supposed to happen could you imagine chuck schumer and nancy pelosi trying to explain this to somebody <laughs> the same people who when they were supposed to be grilling mark zuckerberg uh, didn't even really know what follows and mentions <laughs> meant so how in the heck are these same people who are responsible for making the law supposed right. to then be able to have a meaningful conversation with anybody when it hits the fan right. and somebody taps into this system. Yeah. So, yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a huge threat. Um, it's interesting, though, on the voting side, because there's there are some people who say we should make it easier to vote. You know, voting, I agree with that. voting affects our society. But is blockchain digital voting as accessible and easy as that could be? Do the threats outweigh the value for making it you know, easier to vote? Yes. <laughs> I, I think I think the e well, because I mean, we have proven that we can't even get archaic analog paper ballot voting. Right. 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 Like uh -huh. if there's questions around the 2016 election, uh -huh. how are we then trying to take it a step further right. and add new uh, uh, points of entry to the equation before right. we've secured the ones that were jacked up in the first place? Right. So I think honestly, it makes a lot more sense to fully secure 
the voting system, have people no longer be making paper ballots that they've got to punch uh, into systems and that kind of stuff first. Mm -hmm. Also, we could probably stand to make voting happen on a day off. Right. So instead of it happening on your work you know, day Tuesday when right. everybody's got to be at work, right. maybe we do it over the weekend, right. like Saturday and Sunday. And, and then, then too many people would vote then, Malcolm. Well, uh, right, right. I'm just <laughs> in a perfect world where right. voter suppression doesn't exist and right. you know gerrymandering isn't a concern. Right. These are the things that I think we should be talking about implementing first right. before we try and add in another layer of vulnerability right. to an already vulnerable system. Absolutely. Last question about this. Um, we've been talking about it in the context of votes. Votes obviously impact our society and, you know, in some ways, our economic world that we live in. Right. Uh, how does this digital voting you know, conversation affect the things that are happening on the financial side. Like a lot of uh, different fi financial institutions are looking at, you know, blockchain technology mm -hmm. as a means by which to move and change ha how money changes hands. How does that impact a thing like votes impact the conversations that we're having about, you know, digitizing money? Well, so that's actually a, a, a good case for why I don't think digital voting will happen as soon as you might think, uh -huh. because the folks who stand to benefit the most, in my opinion, right. the major banks in, in our country have basically taken a, a wait and see approach right. to digital currencies and also blockchain technology right. underpinning uh, transactions. So if those people who stand to make the most money right. from figuring it out are still saying, nah. we'll tiptoe around it, we'll play right. around with it a little bit. We'll hire a few of you hackers out of California to come, <laughs> you know, try some things and see what happens. But we're really not there yet. And everything yeah. I'm reading is saying, like, we're at least 10 years out from it having wow. a meaningful impact on the way we bank right now. Okay. So if that's the case, then I can only be even more assured right. that the U.S. government isn't going to jump first and right. say, oh, OK, well, the banking system doesn't trust it, but we do. <laughs> like that, that just doesn't seem right. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm pretty confident that Indeed. this is, you know, a fantasy conversation. Sure. In today's terms, maybe we get there eventually, but right. I, I just don't see it anytime soon. Interesting, interesting. Well, we want to remind people you're listening and watching Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. I want to quickly remind you, you can always pass past episodes of the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Um, of course, leave us a review there. That helps us go up in the ratings and helps more people catch our show. Um, and of course, if you have a question for Malcolm, you want him to cover for his Malcolm's Money Minute, send it to us, info at managerdamnmoney.com. And also you can follow us on social media. Uh, my Instagram handle is at mydm1. Malcolm, what's yours? At Malcolm on Money. And it's the same for Twitter. And you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash managerdamnmoney. This is MYDM with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. Welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where on this episode, the conversation at hand is the unfamiliar and unknown cost of buying and owning a home. A lot of things inspire the topics we cover here on our show. Our team here at Montgomery Community Media, Gaynell, Maddie, Maddie, our listeners, and our own sense of what needs to be discussed at a particular moment in time. But there are also times when our very own lives inform the discussion. This is one of those shows. Uh, Malcolm, as I discussed at the top of the show, uh, my wife and I just moved into a house of our own and with my pockets much lighter than they were a few weeks ago <laughs> and my adult levels of anxiety raised another two full notches for having attached myself to yet another large bucket of debt, 
I thought we could at least do an episode to shed some light on things I and many others probably didn't know about the cost of buying a home beyond just the monthly mortgage, Malcolm. You gotta look at the positives, man. <laughs> I think I, I unfortunately have that pessimism gene where I'm like, oh, doom and gloom is just around the corner. You just wait. I hear it. You can hear it? I can hear it. Yeah. Like, I, I need you to say at least one positive thing as you pull up to this house today about how it's like, it's nice i i've okay, never so see? i've never lived in a house that had a uh, automatic ice dispenser like <laughs> that's your thing that's the thing like i've been doing tray ice since this I house was is child. brand spanking new yes and your thing to be excited about is the fact that you can walk up push a button and ice comes out never had it before oh my god amazing i know i'm 31 years old oh this is the first time i've ever been li- my lived my grandparents in a house like this. had an automatic ice dispenser uh-huh. in front of there that's Let's good. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, but anyway, there are some positive things for sure. Um, I'm certainly proud. Um, but there are uh, 20 hidden costs of home ownership, and this was a story that I had to go way back for. Uh, this is a December 2010 article on CNBC.com by Cindy Pearman. Uh, one of the interesting things that you can spend extra money on, not knowingly, uh, as she lists in this piece, your heart, and what she mean by that, she says, you may set a budget for how much you could spend on a new house, but then you find something you love, something you can't stop thinking about, and even though it's 50,000 or $100,000 over your budget, you buy it anyway. And that would be like money spent that you, you know, it was a hidden cost, and the hidden cost was like your emotional attachment to the thing that you I'm found. I'm praying to God that my house that's on the market, somebody's heart tells them to spend <laughs> an extra 50 grand. Like that would, that would, you know. That would make everything all right. That would make everything all right. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, hope, I, I hope that happens for you, sir. Um, another thing that people don't always think about, property taxes. You might think I'm paying uh, 1200 in rent or the mortgage. For that, I could be paying a mortgage in my own place. Well, yes, but if you're only plugging in the principal and the interest rate into your mortgage calculator, you're missing out on a huge expense right out the gate. Property taxes are a big deal, Malcolm, um, and something that people don't always calculate when they're, you know, calculating what it's going to cost to live in their new home. Uh, home insurance. Home insurance is cheaper than what I thought initially it was, um, but it costs a lot more to insure a home than, say, a one-bedroom apartment. That is that is true. It does, but it's also important to make sure that your coverages are substantial. Absolutely. So not necessarily just the cost to repair or replace the house if right. something were to happen to it, but like the coverages for if an accident happens in or away from your home. Right. So things like that are important to make sure that you know you don't necessarily just set them at the minimum right. threshold, but you actually get everything covered it's important to go through each one of those options to hear each one and what you think you know there might be a possibility of this and if not then you can you know consciously decide not to go with it um then here's another one that's interesting overspending on the down payment potentially reaching into your retirement accounts or not accounting fully for seller credits or incentives that lower down payments um this is interesting because i have a friend who reached out to me and they were like like an old friend from high school and they were like hey they had some you know, advice that they were looking for about money, but they shared the fact that they had done the very thing which this piece mentions, which is they reach into their, their retirement accounts, mm-hmm. and she said it cost them $8,000. Um, for, for, for whatever, like, for what I, I imagine it was like the fees and whatever it cost to pay back into their retirement account, mm. um, but the amount that they spent. Oh, the cost of borrowing from their retirement account was $8,000. I don't know if it was the cost or that was the amount that they took out or it was like maybe they took out six thousand and had to pay back eight thousand. I don't know what the details were, but the way she made it seem was like it was eight thousand dollars they didn't have to fork over or mm-hmm. get you know put back into the account or something. But it cost her eight thousand um, dollars, which is interesting. Also, another element: the furnace and air conditioning. That's a big one. I'm sure you've heard of air conditioning units going out. I just replaced one. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I think like four thousand thirty eight thirty nine hundred dollars or something. Man. Uh, to replace it. So, yes, I have, uh, you know. Wow. Uh, if you're not buying brand new, it's a higher risk of going bad at an unexpected and absolutely inconvenient time. Uh, safety, um, from fixing the front porch to installing an alarm system, adding motion detector lights or lighting a footpath, those extra safety features are going to cost you extra money. Um, and then another one on the list was savings. Do you know how much money you can save by installing new windows, a programmable thermostat, energy, energy saving light bulbs? You can save a whole lot of money, Malcolm, but guess what? In order to save a lot, you got to spend a lot up front. Um, so while you're focused on the savings, your money is slipping out the back door. And that's kind of the thought that if you spend money on trying to like upgrade stuff, you won't reap the benefits of those upgrades until much later. Um, you know, obviously there's a, 
upfront cost for getting like solar panels installed in your home. Right. And you probably won't reap those benefits for another like 15 to 20 years down the line. Um, so Malcolm, real quick, uh, what are some of the unexpected costs you recall when you bought your first home, which is which you're now getting ready for sale well, in North Carolina? So a couple we touched on, one, a new HVAC system, okay. which, you know, I tried to patch it as long as I could. You know, they put like Freon and coolant and stuff in it. <laughs> Probably had duct tape hanging from every piece you could right. possibly put it on before I finally gave in. Uh -huh. Also, breaking the pipe not knowing that you're supposed to turn your pipes off to weatherproof them and all that kind of oh stuff. My and, um, having to deal with my, my living room flooding. Uh -huh. um, also, uh, having to buy new appliances. Okay. So washer and dryer came with the house, right. and they were in eh, decent shape, I would say, at best okay. when I, when I uh, bought it. And the dryer burnt out, and so I decided to just go ahead and replace them both at the same time. Right. But that was another, I don't know, $600 right. or so that wasn't accounted for right also uh talking to a friend of mine who happens to be a realtor uh recently right now we've talked about a lot the fact that home prices are extremely high for uh new home buyers right so where you would normally be able to get into a starter home you have a lot of competition from folks who are a little more established who are also buying that same house right and so new home buyers are having to put up with a lot more uh, raggedy conditions for lack of a better term less desirable <laughs> I think raggedy uh, works. conditions where they're having to spend money to make renovations right. as soon as they move in right um, painting themselves new carpet that right. kind of stuff where normally you wouldn't have to do that or you would at least buy be buying at a lower price point right now they're buying at the very top end of their price point and still spending because their heart got into it right. and still having to spend money on renovations where right. it used to be an either or Indeed. so those are the kind of things that i would be you know looking out for right um there are some other front end costs that uh that are more than just your a simple mortgage lets on like uh places like bank rate will let you you know calculate your mortgage but that's not the full um there's also, like I said, home insurance, property taxes that vary by city. Mm -hmm. There's places here in the D.C. area where, you know, taxes vary wildly, like wildly, like D.C.'s taxes are like very low. And then the surrounding counties, it's a lot higher yeah. um, depending upon where you are. You can uh, find that information on Redfin yeah. and Zillow and it's probably a bunch of other ones, too. It's available to us, but sometimes people put blinders on in terms of what they want to well, look at or not. not. Yeah, don't put blinders For on. For hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> on the table, you, you better not. Right. Um, and then also, of course, as we mentioned, uh, security systems. And this is one, this is my favorite, loan origination fees, which yeah. is just a fee that... The, sounds like a hoax. It is a hoax. It sounds like fake news. Um, loan origination fees are essentially a fee that a mortgage or lender uh, company will charge you to make the loan. It's you know it's a nominal fee in relative to the full amount that you're paying, but it's still something that makes it more expensive. Um, something if you're like in a in a community, which Malcolm I think you are. Yeah. In, in North Carolina. And I'll be glad to ditch that HOA. <laughs> um, we, we have an HOA as well, um, which is a homeowners association fee. Um, then, of course, HOA entry fees. Um, and as you've mentioned on the show before, hope to God you don't have a pool in your com community. Yes, because the HOA is just going to go up every single year and uh -huh. there's nothing you can do about it. So my thought is, like, if I get to be the president of the HOA fee, I could do everything cheaper. Yes, and but you'll it. also be the guy that people come toilet paper and egg your house oh, okay. and come yell stuff at you as you're walking outside <laughs> to your car in the morning. And so, I mean, with with great responsibility, right? I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, to Indeed. quote the granddad from Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> or Uncle Ben, that's his name, right. Uncle Ben. Uh -huh. Um, you know, what's interesting to me uh, when another thing that, that happened when we were walking through the house, uh, the the builder was explaining to me that we have to change the filters for the HVAC system <laughs> in each room, and I was like, wait, what? Like, what? I have to do what? Every what? Three months? Well, yeah, you can get the six, the the two month one or the three month one. And I thought when he first showed me the first one, I'm like, oh, that's the only one in the whole house. No, there's one on every single floor and in multiple places. I'm like, what? is this like so prepare to spend multiple weekends at home depot figuring it Indeed. all out because Indeed. you'll you'll go 
buy a filter, find out it doesn't fit for all six of your different They're all different. and all that kind of nonsense. Uh -huh. Fortunately, you know, there's a Home Depot in every corner almost at this point. Right. But just be ready to spend your weekends there. That's Indeed. what it that's what it becomes. Indeed. Um, some things to keep in mind when approaching approaching your cost and considering when you're considering buying a home. Uh, one of the things we would suggest is just stay realistic on monthly cost. Um, and you probably want to give yourself a cushion in terms of you don't want to be at the top of your budget. Right? You should probably be just under what you think you can actually afford because it's always going to be something that life throws at you. That's so much easier said than done. It is. It is. Like, where we just talked about folks overreaching because their heart gets into it. Indeed. You literally now have stretched yourself so thin that, right. you know, tomorrow, you move, after you move in the house, the right. next day, you're like, what am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> like, it, it, you know, it can get to that point where Ramen. you just pull out every penny you have to throw yeah. at it. So For sure. Um, also, what's really important, do an entire budget that includes everything with the mortgage and everything else to see if you can really afford it. So your existing expenses, your car, you know, insurance, whatever else you're paying for, student loans, and factor it into that equation um, and make sure that you can actually afford it. So you mean to tell me that just because I can get approved for it doesn't mean I can afford it? That unfortunately is the truth. Huh, mm -hmm. interesting. I'll, I'll I don't know why. Mind. I don't know why they don't tell you that kind of stuff like at banks and things. You don't like know that. why the bank doesn't tell you not to borrow more money. I have no idea. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Oh, interesting. Uh, we'll have to look into that. <laughs> Indeed, we would. Uh, a tip for you: always another tip for you: always keep your options open. This was something that I learned through the process. Okay. Um, and this is what we'll. I'm gonna ask our guest Adam Homewood um, of Village Settlements Inc. a little bit later in the show after this uh, next music break. One thing that I learned through the process is the one thing you have on your side, which people don't always know, you don't have a lot of, lot of leverage as a home buyer, mm -hmm. right? You're asking a bank for a large sum of money to put down on, a, on an asset, which is the house. Right. The only thing you can do as leverage is to have options and to say, be able to say to X you know, service company that if I go with X, then I'm going to check in with Y to see if they can give me a better rate. And every time that I use that as like a thing to leverage one against the other, mm -hmm. somebody gave me something mm -hmm. and somebody gave me something. And so if I had not done that, we'd have been paying a whole lot more on the front end and probably on a month to month basis had we not gone through that process. And I did that for just about everything. Insurance, title insurance. And they'll be like, and they'll, they'll act like they can't do anything. Right. Well, this is what it is. And, you know, this is what the rates are. And they, I can't. <laughs> is that say, how they sound? I, that's exactly how they sound. <laughs> I can't say the word, but it's, you know. Is it's, it collusion? It's, it's that. It's not collusion. It's something else. Okay. And it's on the floor after a horse walks by. Got it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's something that people really need to make sure that they do is have options that's a very good point to leverage them against one another no matter so what don't it just is. settle for the first quote somebody gives you but actually see what everybody else is offering too because the temptation is to continue to move forward just mm -hmm. because you want to get it over with and it feels it's a lot of it's overwhelming but you have to stop and engage the process a little bit um so make sure you do that and that's just a little bit of words to the words of the wise um i want to quickly remind you you're listening and watching manage your damn money with ben and malcolm um on this episode we're talking about the uh, hidden cost and the unexpected cost of home ownership and owning a home. Uh, when we come back from this music break, we're gonna uh, invite Adam Homewood of Esquire, he's a lawyer of Village Settlements Inc. onto the set um, to discuss the unknown and undiscussed often cost of buying a home. Uh, I wanna remind you, you can always catch past episodes of the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Of course, please, 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 we beg of you, Leave us a good review on any of those platforms. That helps us go up in the ratings. It helps more people find our show. And of course, you can send questions to info at managerdamnmoney.com. You could also catch us on social media. Malcolm, what's your handle? Uh, at Malcolm on Money. And of course, mine on Twitter and Instagram at MYDM1 and on Facebook, facebook.com backslash managerdamnmoney. This is MYDM with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, we're talking on this show about the unfamiliar and unknown cost of buying a home. Me and Malcolm hit on a couple different topics of where you can spend unknown money on your purchase of a home or maintaining a home. Um, and we are excited to invite and welcome to the show Mr. Adam M. Homewood Esquire. He's a lawyer of Village Settlements, Inc., a title insurance company here in the Maryland, D.C., DMV area. Adam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Indeed, sure. indeed. Now, I should give the background. Adam and I met like a couple weeks ago, I guess now, yep. like literally, because my wife and I did our first time home buyers class, which a lot of people are, uh, you know, you have to do it as mm -hmm. part of the loan terms or whatever yep. your kind of loan you're getting. Um, and you and some of the other speakers were like, we were prepared to be bored out of our minds. <laughs> and you and a few others like really surprised us. And we like thoroughly actually enjoyed it and felt like we learned more about the process. That's awesome. um, so that's why we had you on the show. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and like where you fit into the uh, online process. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's great to be here again. Thank you so much. So yeah, I expected to bore you to pieces too that day. So. <laughs> You know, I thought I should be handing out pillows and blankets for my presentation, so uh, to hear some positive feedback, I really appreciated that. I was glad that I could uh, share some valuable information. So um, I've been doing this as a settlement attorney for about 10, 11 years at this point. And I have a passion for this business and, you know, assisting buyers and sellers with one of the most important transactions of, of their lifetime. And, um, you know, really what we do is look out for our clients to make sure it's a safe transaction, their property rights are being protected, and really distilling all this stuff. You guys have touched on a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the minutia of, of buying or selling a home. And, you know, we s sweat the small stuff so that you guys can focus on, you know, getting your financing together, focusing on the moving and the transition and all that good stuff and just enjoying your home, so. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, I have to ask a very basic question and you explained it excellently in during the session. What the heck is title insurance? <laughs> title insurance, that's a great question. A lot of people have no idea what it is, why do I need it? Right. So title insurance is what protects clear title to a property. Now, the homes that you guys own, you wanna make sure that you're the guaranteed property owner of that of that home. No one else can come back and claim that they have an, an interest in your home or that um, there's a lien or a judgment or an unpaid debt from either you know current or previous owner that's attached to the property. So title insurance, there's two types of title insurance. The owner's policy that we buy as homeowners mm -hmm. is what protects our investment and makes sure that we are the guaranteed protected owner of that property for the lifetime of our ownership. The lender, most of us are in a position of having to finance a purchase. We're getting a mortgage loan. The lender is going to require as a condition of the financing that we purchase a loan policy, a lender's title insurance policy to protect the lender's investment. Right. So on almost every transaction, residential transactions, at least here in Maryland, there's two types of policies being issued. One that protects us as the homeowner and then one that we buy on behalf of our mortgage company to protect their investment because they're making a significant investment in our home as well. Right. They wanna be protected to make sure that the, the property, which is the collateral for the loan, is guaranteed as an asset to be titled by the correct, you know, by us right. as the homeowners. So and that then, insurance policy from the lender side, does that stay in effect the entire time I own the house or is that just the, to get the lifetime of the loan? Okay. Okay. So it's a one-time title insurance are always one-time premiums. You know, every other type of insurance out there we make ongoing premiums, right. right? So with title insurance, it's a one-time premium. That loan policy covers the life of the loan, whether it's a 15 or a 30-year loan. And that uh, owner's policy covers the lifetime of the ownership. So right. whether you own the house for five years or maybe it's in your family for you know, 60 or 100 years, that one policy is in place to protect the ownership. Right. Hmm. And just if it's not clear, uh, title insurance, it, it's really to make sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's really to make sure that like the land and the place that you are owning is really yours yep. as like the deeds of the, or tra you know, I don't know what the legal terminology would be, but as things pass from one party to the next over the years, yep. um, making sure that that happened in the proper way yep. and that there aren't any issues in it. Um, exactly. So that is correct. That's exactly right. So the property that you bought 
if we went back and we examined 100 years worth of the land records, you know, it went from A to B, and then right. B sold to C, right. and, and it was a clean transition. So, you know, the county here in Montgomery County, the circuit court maintains all those land records. So when we do a, when we handle a transaction, we search and examine 60 or 100, sometimes over 100 years worth of land records wow. to make sure that every, it's a clean chain of title. Wow. And, you know, we're relying on the county to maintain all those accurate records. So, right. you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into it. But again, that's why we look out for you. You don't have to worry about the, you know, the details there other than knowing that you're protected and that How you have clear title. Would you say somebody has successfully brought a claim against a property mm -hmm. after somebody has bought it? Mm -hmm. Like that the court sided with them in that process? Well, I mean, there's a whole, that's a, there's a whole, variety of analysis there but yeah. you know it just depends on the circumstance you know i'd say it's, let me give you an example some of the most common scenarios that we deal with with title insurance is not i mean when you think of the of a massive claim mm -hmm. it would be okay all the land that this subdivision is built on where there's maybe a ah, hundred okay. hundred homes that was farmland 80 years ago or 60 years ago mm -hmm. and the biggest fear there would be that someone comes back and says, hey, I can prove my grandfather did not sign this deed. This was a forged deed, right. and now we have a defect or a cloud that affects a massive area of land. Okay. That's, a, that's a big reason why you would want title insurance. And what happens you. in that scenario? Like as a homeowner on that farm, so to speak, mm -hmm. or that used to be farm, what then happened? So if a court sided, Malcolm, with a uh, claimant, maybe a grandson who said my granddaddy didn't sign that deed it was forged then the court could award title to that family oh, wow. and then all those homeowners who are affected by that would be in a position of having to file a claim on their title policy oh, wow. that's not going to come up very often right. I'll give you an example of stuff that comes up much more frequently when you um, bought your house you had a home inspection done you probably had some negotiated repairs that the seller was going to make before the uh, settlement and let's say that as one of the uh, uh, requirements that the seller was going to pay a contractor $5,000 a day or two before closing for XYZ repairs. Right. What we, would, what we do see happen from time to time is that, that payment uh, bounces. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't so, make it. Wow. Or even the seller's taking their proceeds and they're off in California, they're never going to come back to Maryland, and they put a stop payment on that check. Right. Ooh, wow. Thinking that, hey, what's the worst that can happen? Right. You know, the contractor's probably going to pursue a remedy against the home and is not going to want to chase me to California, and now it's your problem, Ben. So, <laughs> so now as the homeowner, right. you just had a contractor slap a mechanics lien on the home saying, hey, I did $5,000 worth of work on this property, right. and I still haven't been paid. Right. Wow. And under state law, I'm entitled to actually attach as a as a my remedy is attaching a lien to the property as opposed to going after the previous homeowner right. who was supposed to pay me right so that's the most more along the lines of common scenarios that we see why it's important to to have that owner's title insurance policy so, so in another case, case you made me think about with the uh, grandson fighting for granddad's farm mm -hmm. scenario mm -hmm. would be in cases of imminent domain and mm -hmm. it's my understanding that you almost never win eminent domain cases and to right. make sure to put that in context that's essentially when the city or the municipal government comes along and tells you that they are taking your property basically for improvements to the area okay. so in cases like that it seems like title insurance doesn't actually do you any good is there a, a caveat in there somewhere that maybe would help me out so the this is directly from the U.S. Constitution, and it's called the Takings Clause. Mm. <laughs> and it says that the, the federal government can take your property in exchange for just compensation. Mm. Now, just is not defined. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a very abstract, you know. Uh, Sounds like a monument or something. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, the point is that you would have if you know if the government came to you and they said that they were offering you just compensation for your property mm -hmm. under eminent domain and the takings clause you would be in a position of having to secure representation to negotiate with the federal government and determine mm -hmm. what is just cause what is yeah. just compensation right so what's the fair market value the, the fair value right, to right. be compensated there okay yeah. so um real quick uh title insurance happens at the end of the home buying process is that so correct? it happens at the it's a 
expense at the closing. Okay. okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, and I know you're you specialize in Maryland. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about Maryland and maybe what you understand about broad tenants that could be applied to people who don't live in Maryland. Mm -hmm. um, uh, do title insurances vary from you know company to company? or like what's the situation with that? So here, and I'll definitely speak to Maryland specifically, where Maryland is what's called a rate filed state. All that really means is that the Maryland Insurance Administration regulates title insurance. Okay. Mm -hmm. They regulate what title underwriters can charge. So if you're a title underwriter, you have to actually file your rates with the state of Maryland and they're gonna approve it. Oh, wow. And because we're in a rate filed state, X, you know, A title insurer, B, C, they're all issuing this substantially the same product for substantially the same cost. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So well, as a as a home buyer when you're shopping around title companies, let's say, right. you're not really shopping what underwriter it doesn't really matter to a home buyer what underwriter does this title company <laughs> use. Right. Uh, the rates are regulated by the state. Really what you're shopping is their specific fees, mm. title and settlement fees, what do they intend to charge you okay. for their title and escrow services. And right. those can vary Substantially. Would my suggestion that I made early in the show in terms of shopping around the mm -hmm. service, would that be of help in title insurance and the, the entire home buying process, you know, across the whole thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Title insurance, uh, well, t the title provider, I right. should say, is definitely worth shopping around because, you know, what usually ends up happening is I'm a buyer. I don't know anything about financing. I don't know anything about title. I'm hiring a realtor I trust, and I'm gonna go with their recommendation. If they tell me they have a good relationship with this mortgage company or this title company, those are probably gonna become my starting points that I'm gonna at least reach out and inquire about their services, what do they intend on charging. A lot of homeowners, that may be as far as they go. And you know, I, I definitely appreciate when buyers shop me as a title company because I think my fees are competitive compared to what other companies charge. But also it gives me an opportunity to be interviewed by a client and talk about what I'm going to do and what I'm all about mm -hmm. and just being hands-on as, as an attorney point of contact for you know one of the most important transactions of their life. Right. So um, I tend to think if more buyers shopped, I'd get more business <laughs> <laughs> because I'd have at least a fair opportunity right. to win over their business. But right. you know, again, that I, I do think it's just as, if not more, critical when you talk about financing. Okay. So, um, uh, you you mentioned that there's quite a few things that show up at the end of the process around the time you would need to rope in title insurance. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of educate us a little bit on what some of those other things are in addition to the title insurance that goes into Like the other related closing costs that a homeowner might exactly. not be aware so of. Processes, so. service providers that show yep. up as part of the closing. Yep, definitely. So. You know, for folks who've done this before, it's not going to really come as a surprise. But a first-time home buyer, they don't really, they don't realize that, hey, I've been meticulously saving my down payment, right. and that 20% or that three and a half or five or 10%, whatever I'm putting down on the mortgage, that's not really the end of the story, right? right? right. So <laughs> you're going to have some non-refundable costs. You know, if I want to buy a property over here, we might find out two, three weeks into the transaction that whether the property condition is just a disaster and it's, I don't want to proceed or there's title problems that, you know, it's not worth uh, yeah, pursuing that property. Whatever the case may be, you're going to probably order an appraisal and a home inspection. These are non-refundable costs that right. you're fronting right. before you actually get to a successful settlement. And for some homeowners, it, it may just be bad luck if you've had four or five contracts fall through and you've spent all that money on four or five appraisals and four or five home inspections and it, it, it adds up and it's right. out of pocket money that again you're not getting back. Um, but again Malcolm as far as shifting towards the actual settlement uh, um, absolutely I mean the closing costs can be pretty extensive as far as you know setting up an escrow account. Most mortgage companies are going to require that your property taxes and your homeowners insurance are actually built into your monthly mortgage mm -hmm. and they want you to set up an escrow cushion at right. the time of your closing um, you guys touched on lender fees, right. origination costs. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm giving, I'm issuing a loan, right. but I'm actually, in addition to the principal and interest that you're repaying, <laughs> I'm going to charge you for issuing the loan. Right, which That's, is hilarious, <laughs> by the way. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, all I, I would say, 99% of mortgage lenders out there are going to have some type of origination or processing or right. underwriting fees that right. they that they charge. And then, um, you know, you talked uh, talked about homeowners associations. 
Mm -hmm. And homeowners associations, especially in suburban areas like this, are going to affect many, you know, many communities. Right. There's going to be some upfront transfer and setup fees, right. stuff like that. And then, um, you know, any kind of utilities that, mm. you know, maybe the water's built into your condo payment or something like that. I, but I found out there's a $25 setup fee for like my electricity, I think. Just to set up your BGE account? <laughs> to essentially type your name yes. into a field right. and yes. set up your account. She was like, yes, yeah, so it'll be $25. I was like, really? Okay, thank you. So right. I think right here in the show, though, it's important to throw in again one of my favorite phrases which is that everything is negotiable right so as you're hearing these different fees being thrown at you and we're talking mm -hmm. about them and kind of you know old men shaking our fists to get <laughs> off my lawn uh, keep in mind these things are negotiable yeah it is definitely possible to just simply ask yeah can you reduce that fee or can you eliminate that fee while they're listing them out to you on the phone right yeah. to ben's earlier point sometimes they may even stand firm and tell you no we won't remove them and then it's important to compare that new bill of sale to the other lender that maybe the interest rate was fractionally higher but they didn't have all those fees built in right so mm -hmm. then you get a chance to compare apples to apples and right. see which one actually uh comes out a little cheaper so and, and to malcolm's point um how do people know or how can people be confident what would you suggest that they're getting a full ten thousand foot view of their entire scenario like and especially for people who are this is their first go round. Mm -hmm. How can people be confident that like they're doing all the things they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. even if they're working with limited understanding of how the whole process yeah. works? Well, it's, it's a great question. I mean, the, the most important way I can answer it is that you have a trusted team of professionals. Okay. You know, I've never done this before. I'm gonna rely on my realtor. However I found my realtor, maybe it was a referral from my mom or my neighbor or somebody, somebody who's worked with them before. I have a great relationship and rapport with my realtor because that is my first and best advocate in the transaction who I'm relying on to put me in touch with some title companies I can shop around, some mortgage companies I can shop around, folks that they've worked with who they have good experiences with and hopefully that at least from a starting point gives me quality you know individuals and quality companies that I'm dealing with. I, I can't overemphasize that the, the shopping of the mortgage is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, some people might be enticed by the lowest interest rate or the lowest fees. Um, I really, you know, I think that shopping at mortgage companies really comes down to three things. It's the interest rate, it's the fees, but it's also the rapport and feeling comfortable of who the people are that you're dealing with. Right. Because I can have the lowest rate and the lowest fees and then if we have settlement scheduled for Friday at four o'clock and I've got the moving vans all lined up right. and everything has been planned very carefully, and now the lender's not ready. Right. And now I need to negotiate a contract extension with mm -hmm. the seller. That's going to cost me money. I have to re, you know, reschedule the moving people. That's not, you know, that's not going to be cheap. So the point is that you want to know that you're working with a company that's going to get the job done, right. and they're going to be there when they need you, and they're going to be responsive and accessible. So another piece to add to that, uh, questions to ask your lender, your potential mm -hmm. lender, mm -hmm. is whether or not they're going to be selling that mortgage. And a lot of times people will say, well, I don't really care as long as they give me the loan and get me in the house, then, mm -hmm. you know, what do I care? Mm -hmm. But it does affect your experience as the owner of the home if the company who your mortgage is now sold to mm -hmm. completely services you differently from right. the people you had before. Definitely. Um, where maybe, you know, you missed a payment because you thought you had it set up online to auto draft and you right. didn't. Right. Or you changed your account numbers and so it didn't auto draft out of the right account or whatever. And you call them, you say, hey, look, I made an honest mistake. Can you guys waive the fee? The lender you're working with is in the habit of saying, sure, yeah, no problem, whatever. Mm -hmm. The new company says, no way, you owe us mm -hmm. a $500 late fee. Mm -hmm. Well, now you've had a bad experience and it costs you more money than it should have because mortgage company A sold your mortgage off to mortgage company B, who mm -hmm. in turn sold it to C and D and so on and so mm -hmm. on. So simple things like that are also good questions to make sure that you ask because the lender you sign up with, you want to make sure is the lender you end up staying with. I, I, I don't disagree with you, Malcolm, I, but I, at the same time, I don't necessarily want to tell folks to go out and find a mortgage company that's going to guarantee they're going to sure. keep their loan. And the reason is because probably at this point, I would say like 90%, 95, sell maybe even higher are going to transfer or sell right. the loan. And you know, ultimately, that promissory note that you sign at closing, which obligates you to repay the debt, mm -hmm. that's a, a binding contract between you and the bank, right. and those terms aren't gonna change. Right. Those are fixed terms that no matter who's servicing and collecting the payments, they're not gonna change. But I, I don't disagree. The, other, the school of thought there is that 
everything you refer to, the convenience and the mm -hmm. rapport and the trust mm -hmm. of dealing with one company. Right. And there are companies out there, whether it's credit unions or smaller local companies that will tell you they're going to keep and service the loan themselves. Right. And that could definitely be attractive to a lot of people out there. For sure, for sure. Um, last question uh, before we wrap this show for you, Adam. Uh, what's your biggest piece of advice for millennials who are on the road to, you know, considering buying a home or they're getting prepped? Like, what would you tell them like you told us in that uh, class? Yeah, I think the biggest piece of advice I would give folks out there is utilize the resources that are out there. Mm -hmm. What you guys are doing is a fantastic resource. Think about 20 years ago, 10 years ago, the amount of information that was accessible to homeowners was nothing compared to what it is now. Right. So utilize those resources. Uh, resources. Utilize the information that's out there, whether it's some reputable financial companies like Bankrate or you know, shopping around mortgage companies and title companies. Um, there's three, I, I, before I forget, I want to give three money-saving tips. Uh -huh. um, one of them is we've, we've been talking about, shopping around the mortgage company. Uh, second one is shopping around the homeowner's insurance. People don't realize mm -hmm. that, okay, just because I I have my car insurance with this company. I'm going to give them a shot. I'm assuming they're going to give me a, a good premium. Um, I see wild. You would not believe the wild fluctuations I yeah. see in homeowners insurance premiums, and I cannot, for the life of me, explain <laughs> why this property at the same price point was twice as much as that property at the same price point. Right. Um, and then the third thing that is specific to what I do on the title insurance side is that as a buyer, you can ask the seller to provide a copy of their existing title insurance. Yeah. And then what that's going to allow the title company to do is, what, is issue what's called a reissue rate on the title mm. insurance. That reissue rate can save a significant amount of money. Generally, it's about 30% that right. the buyer's going to save on that. You know, all these things add, add up. Yes, indeed. I, I'm going to move in knowing that the washing machine's going to fail right away or that I'm going to have a flood. Right. I'm going to be filing a claim on the insurance. So the point is that these are hitting, they were, we're exposing them, right? right. They're not hidden anymore because we're going to get bring them to the light and make sure that, you know, that homeowners are educated and go in with, um, you know, with, with the knowledge and the tools indeed. to make a, uh, a, a great investment. Indeed, indeed. Well, Adam, thank you for coming on the of show. Of course. If people want to get in contact with you, what's some information? Uh, Absolutely. Like so the best way to get in contact with me, my company is Village Settlements. We're a local firm. We've been uh, here in Montgomery County for over 15 years. We're attorney owned and operated. We only have attorneys do the most critical aspects of the client's transaction, the title work, the settlement. And um, they can get in touch with us through the website. Um, I don't know if there's any contact information we want to post anywhere in connection with uh, you the blogger. They can Google it. They can Google it. That's <laughs> the best way. Yeah, I would say um, you yeah, know, we're very machine. easy, very easy to find on Google. Absolutely. It, it, indeed, indeed. Well, Adam Holmwood, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Excellent information, and I think this proves why I had you on the show, sir. So thank you so much. You're a smart man, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, uh, we want to remind people uh, that you can catch past episodes of Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Simply search Manager Damn Money in the search function of those apps. Um, and of course, please leave us a review on this show and tell us how good of a job Adam a job Adam did. Um, and of course, you can send questions to us if you want us to cover a particular topic or if you want us to like do a Malcolm's Money Minute, uh, send your question to info at managerdamnmoney.com. Um, you can also catch us on social media. Malcolm, what's your handle? Uh, at Malcolm on Money. And of course, mine is at mydm1, and those are both on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, Facebook, facebook.com backslash managerdamnmoney. Thanks to our partners here at Montgomery Community, Med Community Media for another great show. Uh, until next time, be good with your money. Yeah.